I had a, uh, quite a few gentlemen come up to me uh, after that session, and so I changed my message. Um, I was going to do Joshua, I changed it to Joseph, because the men that came up to me were just, a lot of them, truth be told, brokenhearted. My family's been taken away. I made this mistake, I made that mistake. I don't know where I'm supposed to go from here. I know last night you said go, go where? Um, and so, I want you to rock with me for a second. Can you do that? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, and that's the way God works. I don't necessarily like that. I was prepared for something else. But God said, I want you to do something else. I said, but I'm uncomfortable with that. But you just preached a message last night about being uncomfortable and going anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got called out on my own stuff. Get unsettled, okay? And so uh, I'm excited to be back with you this time. And then uh, after this, we'll have one more session tonight that I'm, I'm excited about. Oh, then want to let you know before we jump in. Um, that my dad's not here, but I did bring him here through some of his resources. He told me to bring Kingdom Man, and so I brought Kingdom Man, and that will be, I don't know where the table, Luke, are you here? Do you know where the table's going to be? Anybody? In the back room, right, right on the other side of these walls, there's going to be a table. There's Kingdom Man, which we have on a discount. Um, there's no more excuses. That's my favorite. Be the man that God has called you to be. There is no more excuses, and here's why. Soon. Go through that book. And then Kingdom Man Devos. So it's a once-a-day small paragraph power punch to start you out as a kingdom man every single day. Okay? And so you can testify. Awesome. Awesome. And so I did bring him here by way of his resources. So you'll have an opportunity. They'll be there after this session and then throughout uh, the rest of the time. So you can ping pong back and forth as you please. Let's start with a word of prayer and then we'll jump in to what God wants to say today. Heavenly Father, we love you and honor you. We give you the praise and glory once again for who you are. Um, help us to realize through what you're telling me to speak about now uh, that you have a plan for our lives, and it's a good plan. It's a plan not for our calamity, but for our well-being, to give us a future and to give us a hope. Help us to see things clearly uh, through this story. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. One verse. Genesis 50, 20, you know it well. One of my favorite verses, and I'm going to explain to you why. Okay? Joseph is getting to the end of his days. He's made it to the mountaintop. He's at the pinnacle point of what God has called him to be and do. And he looks at his brothers, and he makes this awesome statement. He says, uh, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. In order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people's lives. Okay, let me say that again. Because there's a lot of guys who came up to me, and then God turned me to this. So I want you to hear this clearly. One verse. You meant evil against me. Don't worry about that, because I know that God meant it for good. In order to bring about 
my current circumstances to where I am now. And where I am now is to preserve many people alive, including yours. Okay, y'all still ain't. Okay. He just told you exactly how life works itself out. Every man in this room can talk about something bad, either past, present, or current. Past, present, or future, you'll be able to do it. Storms in your life are like the mail you get in your mailbox name occupant. Translation, we don't care who lives here. I mean, if you're here, you're going to go through stuff. That's a part of life. You're either in one, on your way to one, or you just came out of one. This is how life works itself out, and Joseph is letting you know how the story goes. There will be bad things, but when God shows up, good shows up. He's able to turn that bad thing and use it for his purpose. It never goes, un- never goes unused. It's never wasted. Because he's trying to bring you to a present place where he wants to use you like he made you. And when he gets you there, it's always going to be to be able to turn back and preserve somebody else's life. You see, if you ain't gone through nothing, you can't bring nothing to the table. How are you going to do ministry when you've never been ministered to based on what you've been going through? See, what we do is we're sour about the bad times, not realizing that those bad times are what produces the greater times. He's letting you know, fellas, in this room, you cannot give up and you cannot quit because he's trying to take you from Genesis 37 to Genesis 50. That there is a journey here. Joseph is letting you know exactly how this thing works itself out. It's going to be bad. That's a part of life, and every man is going to go through it at varying levels. But God is going to show up, and then you're going to realize why you went through that. He's going to make it clear. And when he makes it clear, he's going to put you in a place where you can turn back and preserve somebody else based on what you've gone through. You like that verse a little bit better now? Do you understand what? Because there are men in this room who have come up to me and some who haven't, who have opened the door to their closets and it looked clean, but it was just packed in. He's referring to Genesis 37. He's talking to his brothers. You guys know the story. He's talking to his brothers who abused him in Genesis 37. You know, Joseph was the man. He, was the, he, was the, the, he had the favor of his father. He walked around with that very colored tunic on. That boy had that, had, had that uh, stylish stuff on. I mean, he was styling in front of his brother, so his brothers didn't like him. They, they kind of couldn't stand him because they knew that the father's favor was on him. Somebody didn't give them the memo that favor ain't fair. They didn't get that one. So they didn't like Joseph, and Joseph, you know, was, was, a, was a little bit ignorant to how he should relate to his brothers because they didn't like him because of the external evidence that showed the father's favor in his life. And then he went on to explain to him, his brothers, his dream that he had. That was a mistake. You know, the people he thought he could trust with his dream were the main people that were trying to stop him from completing his dream. You know it's bad when the people you think you can trust the most are the ones who are trying to take you down the most. And some of our greatest wars come right in our own household. 
Joseph is living that life, and he's referring back to Genesis 37, and he's saying, man, these guys stripped me, 37 verse 23, these guys stripped me of my very colored tunic, and they threw me into a pit. As soon as I told them my dream, they couldn't take it anymore. They stripped him and threw him down. The reality is, is that this is how the enemy works. He'll strip you and throw you down. You see, he sh- the, the brothers stripped him. They, they couldn't take his dream from him. That's internal. They heard it, but they couldn't take it. Because that's an internal. They can't go in there and strip his dream from him. So they stripped him of the external evidences of his dream to try to strip him of his dream. I don't know if you realize how that works. The enemy will strip you externally to make you feel like you've lost the Father's favor internally. He can't take away from you what God has put in you. So because he can't do anything about what God has put in you and about what he knows about where God is trying to take you, because Joseph said, actually, one day, fellas, you're going to bow down to me. They were like, no. <laughs> so they saw the father's favor. Okay, he's got on an external evidence. They heard about the favor. And as soon as they heard about it, they couldn't take it anymore. When they found out what was in him, they stripped him. Y'all are... When they found out (laughs) what was in him, that's when they stripped him. If it wasn't for what God had put in you, the devil wouldn't even strip you. See, you being stripped externally is just evidence that the devil knows what God has placed in you. If there was nothing in you, the devil just leave you alone. My coach would always say that. I'm like, why are you screaming at me? You need to be concerned if I stop screaming at you. I'm only coaching you like this because I know what has been placed in you. They couldn't handle it, and they stripped him. And a lot of men in this room have been stripped. You've been stripped of your career. You're saying, I've, I've, been, I've been out of work this long. My, my family is gone because of mistakes that I've made. I mean, my wife has left me. I got these things going on, and I'm stripped over here, stripped over there, and I feel totally like I'm in a pit. Well, of course you do. Because sometimes God will allow you to hit rock bottom so that you recognize that he's the rock at the bottom. This is to encourage you because, men, you got something to build, and the enemy knows about it. That's why he's stripping you. He found out about that dream. He found out about about what God has placed in you. Yes, you've made mistakes. All of these men in the Bible made mistakes. A lot of them are still in Hebrews chapter 11. They're in the hall of fame of the Bible, having made all those mistakes. I have a plan for you, saith the Lord. It's a plan for your well-being and not for your calamity to give you tomorrow even though you've been stripped today. And some men in this room have a testimony like Joseph's testimony where they can look back and say, yeah, that was bad. 
But God turned that thing around and made that thing good, let me tell you. And now I'm able to minister at a level that I never would have been able to do so for the kingdom of God without that situation. When I was in that situation, I was in a pit. But now I'm standing in the palace. That's what the brothers did. A lot of men in this room, the truth be told, you've lost a lot currently. But you cannot quit. The reason why you cannot quit is because God's goal for your life is Genesis 50. Satan's goal for your life is the pit of Genesis 37. He never wants you to be able to say, oh yeah, that was bad, but I broke through that thing with God's help. And now I'm standing where God wants me to be, watch this, to preserve many other people alive. If I can stop you in 37, I just messed up a whole generation of people in Genesis 50. See, the devil's not just after you. He's after everybody that'll be influenced by you. See, this is called network marketing. Has anybody ever done network marketing? (laughs) If I can mess you up, everybody in your downline is jacked up. Because he's a generational thinker, even though he's he's the enemy. This is why you can't quit. It's hard, but you got to keep plowing that field. Yes, you've been stripped, but it's only because there is something big in your life that God wants to accomplish and the enemy found out about it. That's what the, the devil does, by the way, if you ever read the book of Job. This is the tactic of the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the Bible says. That's what he does. He came and stripped Job from everything. But the goal was not to strip him from his family, put boils on his skin. The goal was not external. The goal was internal. I'm going to make this man deny God. He's stripping you externally, career, family, whatever, you can, whatever it is that you're losing. But it's only for an internal result. If I can make this man lose faith, his whole legacy will be jacked up. If I can make this man walk away from this word, if I can make this man say, "Mm, it's time for me to give up, if I can make this man just turn his back on God, Adam and Eve, oh, we'll mess up everything. This is why you can't give up. You're thinking about you. The devil's thinking way beyond you. You say, well, if God is such a good God, then why am I going through all this bad? Actually, it's the bad that illuminates how good God is. If everything was good all the time, you'd be confused on where the good was coming from. You wouldn't know who to give the glory to, and God's going to make sure you, he's in your testimony. Have you ever seen a superhero movie uh, with no villain? <laughs> That'd be the dumbest movie you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Superman just flying around just because he has power? What is he doing? He's just showing off all the time. Mm-mm. What makes Superman super is the fact that he's super over a problem. See, the people in Metropolis say it's a bird. No, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. 
He's discarding criminals. He's catching knives. He's discarding men. I mean, he's just doing all of these different things. And they get excited when Superman comes around. You know why? Because he's not just super. He's also my hero. God will allow you to be stripped, not so that, so that you realize that he's not just super, but he actually becomes your hero. He will allow those things because that illuminates who he is in your life. So that when you're able to tell your story, your story includes a great testimony of who he is. Joseph was stripped. Now he's telling his story. He said, you meant it for evil. But let me tell you something about God. Men, God is able to change the evil and make it good in the exact same circumstance. He's not going to move somewhere else to do something. He's going to use exactly what you went through to change the trajectory of your life and what he has called you to. Joseph was stripped. He was in a pit because the enemy didn't want him to go any further. The pit is depression. The pit is anxiety. The pit is I can't go any further. The pit is self-doubt. The pit is loss of faith. The pit is I'm walking away. The pit is I am no longer doing that and the devil is satisfied. Got him, coach. <laughs> Got him. But if you understand, see, we're able to look at Joseph's life and you're able to get hindsight 2020 vision on somebody else's story. He's already told you how this thing works itself out. He's letting you know how the story goes. And a lot of us, we want to know how this thing is going to end up. Well, you get to know based on this story how life works itself out. That what you're going through now will be used by the kingdom of God later. So you cannot quit. You cannot stop. As kingdom men, you go through training camp to get to the season and ultimately you want to get to the bowl. But you can't quit now. Amen. Don't give up. You cannot quit now. The enemy's goal is for you to never see Genesis 50. And many of you are stuck at Genesis 37. But watch this. You move from 37 to 41 in this testimony. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. How do you mean it for good? Well, simple. In Genesis 41, Joseph somehow, God is able in his sovereignty to put things back together that have been broken. Joseph is second in command in all Egypt. You know why? He interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. What did he get in trouble for? It's like that kid that you have in your house, like, man, I hope God uses this some kind of way someday. Because <laughs> he can use what got you in trouble and turn that thing around and bring you right out of the pit with it. It's back to dreams, and now he's second in command for the thing that got him in the pit. He was stripped over there. He was equipped over here. 
You see, Pharaoh gave him a robe that represented royalty. Well, he just got stripped from a robe. Pharaoh gave him a signet ring that represented authority. Pharaoh gave him a necklace that represented you're at home. You are one in one with Pharaoh. When you go through this town, everyone bows the knee. Sounds a little bit like Jesus' story, actually. You see, sometimes God will allow you to be stripped in order for you to be properly positioned to be equipped. When you are down to nothing, trust me, it's simply because God is up to something. God will allow you to lose what you have so that he can have you before he gives you what he has. I don't know if you caught that. Did you catch? I didn't even catch that. He got the trifecta. God is able to turn that thing around. He didn't give up. He didn't throw in the towel. All of these nuances and things, as I'm just surveying the life of Joseph, he got it because God knows how to give you back the years that the locusts have taken away. But you can't stay in 37. You've got to keep the faith. Jonathan, you're saying, well, what do I do? Go back to the simplicities of the faith. You know what? I don't know what to do, but I do know if I seek the Lord with all of my heart, I will find him when I seek him. I'm going to walk with God. Some of us are losing our mind trying to figure out how to get out. If you're ever caught losing your mind trying to figure out what's next or what do I do or where do I go, you know what you just did? You just stepped into God territory. And the reason why you're losing your mind is because you ain't God. You can't figure that part out. So you're, you're, you're racking your brains trying to figure out, how do I fix this? How do I change that person? How do I get to this side? How do I get out of there? How did I, uh-uh. God figured that part out. He got sold into slavery, came over. God already knew where he was taking him through all of these nuances. And if you catch yourself racking your mind trying to figure out, you're stressed out. You're on the verge of having a heart attack trying to figure out how to fix this situation. Bro, you're doing too much. You just stepped into God territory. That's why you're losing your mind, because you ain't God. But what you can do is chase after him. That's what you can do. You can do, go back to being simple. I just want to relate to Jesus Christ on a whole nother level, and I'll let him be God on where he's taking me. Didn't that just make it a little bit more simple for you? This ain't no psychology class. I'm not going to tell you the A, B, C's, and D's of your life. And how to fix it. After reading the Bible through, I got, he does it. He fixes it. It's about him. He chose all of these men in the Bible, Abraham, Noah, and they did great things. But ultimately, you know who changes and who fixes and who settles everything? Jesus Christ. He does it. What do we do? Find him, seek him. Love him, push him, promote him, be with him. And then he replicates from there. He said, you meant it for evil. But when God showed up, good showed up. He turned that thing around. My dad went through this. I mean, he, he had the favor of God on his life. He started a church, like I said, with 10 people in the house. He, uh, 
He went and, and uh, he, he put the church in a school called Adele Turner that was right because we didn't have a place. So the school rented out, you know, a spot. So we felt God's favor there. I mean, he was clothed in the favor of God. Everything looked good. And then one day, Adele Turner, the school said, we can't house your church anymore and you have to leave by next week. You got, you, you got to leave. We only got a week to do this. And he said, well, I, I, I don't have any place to go. What do you mean? I, I don't understand. This is, this is crazy. He sits down and with a friend of his name, Bob Brunick. Anybody remember that name? Bob Brunick, middle linebacker, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Friend of his name, Bob Brunick. And he says, Bob, this, we got to be out of here. I don't have a place to go. I thought that I had the Father's favor, but now I'm being stripped of the church, and th these things are chaos. And Adele Turner came back after a few complaints and said, okay, we'll, we'll extend it a couple months just to give you time to figure it out. He said, I can't figure it out. We don't have the money. We don't have, I, I, it, there, there's nothing, there's nowhere we can go. And he's sitting down telling Bob the story. Yeah, they gave me an extension, but uh, I, I, this thing is getting taken. I thought that I thought. And as he's telling that story to Bob Brunick, a gentleman walks past the room. And then he comes back and stands in the doorway. Now, at this point, my dad is evangelically ticked off. <laughs> He's trying to have a personal, private conversation with Bob Brunick, and some man that he never met before is just standing in the doorway. And so he's sitting down, and he's doing this. Like, do you know this guy? Bob is saying. And so he tries to continue on, and then the gentleman comes and sits down. So now he's got smoke coming out of his ears and fire coming out of his nose. He's turning red. Well, not really red. He's black. Uh, <laughs> he's mad. That's the point. And so he's, he's, the guy says, now tell me more. Dude, I don't know you. But he tries to hold button up. So he starts explaining the thing that's been taken away. The guy said, well, do you have a place to go? He said, no, I don't have a place to go. He said, is there anything you're considering? He said, well, there's a chapel on uh, around about 1808 West Camp Wisdom Road uh, that we've been praying about since the time we were conceived as a ministry. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of money. It's $200,000. That's back in 1976 is when he started the church. So that's that's out of reach for a small ministry. And the man said, oh, so what do you plan on doing? What, what's your vision? <laughs> so my dad reluctantly starts telling him his dream. He said, I just don't think it's a coincidence that I walk past this door with this problem that you're having and God has been placing on in my heart, who am I going to give to? He pulls out his checkbook. And at this moment, my dad straightens up. <laughs> yeah, the Holy Spirit came over him. Is that the spirit? That is the spirit of God. I, uh... <laughs> he 
he said, I, eh, $200,000. He got up and went right down the hallway. My dad has never seen him since. He was, I can't figure this. I'm trying to. God's got this. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength, not those who don't. That's why you can't give up. God's got this. Keep going one foot in front of the other in your relationship with him. And somebody might just walk right past that you've never met. Don't get too mad. <laughs> in 37, he was in a pit. In 41, he was in a palace. Let me tell you something about that palace. You know the dream that Pharaoh had? He was letting him know that, Pharaoh, I'm going to interpret your dream. You're going to have seven years of plentifulness. You're going to be good. But then you're going to have seven years of famine. You're going to have seven years that are good. In other words, you're going to be rolling around in that tunic. But then you're going to have seven years of famine where Egypt will be in a pit. Okay, you're not with me yet. Let me take 37. We'll go back to 37. Okay, He was stripped of a tunic. He was thrown in a pit. Now the pit was empty and waterless. That's what it says in 37. It tells you the nature of the pit that he was thrown in, that the nature of the pit was empty without any water in it. Come to the palace. Pharaoh, your dream, you're going to have seven years where you're going to be roll, rolling around in this tunic, and then you're going to have seven years where the land will be empty and waterless. Okay, let me take you back to 37. He was stripped of his tunic, he was thrown into a pit, and then the author says... Now the pit was empty without any water in it. If you open up your eyes while you're in the pit, God will give you evidences of how he's going to use you in the palace. He never wastes anything. Here Joseph is in the palace. He is the perfect candidate to take care of people who were experienced a famine. Why? Because he himself has experienced a famine. See, God doesn't want you to be able to give people book knowledge. He wants you to be able to minister to people with experiential knowledge. What's the difference between God and Jesus Christ, even though it's God? God the Father knows, but through God the Son, there's experience. You see, Joseph now is in a position where he can, watch this for you Bible people, Joseph now is in a position where he can sympathize with their weaknesses because he's been through it himself. He is the perfect candidate for the ministry that God had called him through in the palace, which he would not be if he himself had never experienced the pit. That's why you can't give up. He is just molding you for where he's taking you. And when you get there, the people who have, you know, gone through uh, 
uh, uh, abuse or uh, addiction or loss of finances or loss of career. And you ain't never been through that yourself. You're just going to tell me what you think. But when you can sit down and say, let me tell you when I lost my family. Let me tell you when I lost my career. Let me tell you when I didn't know how the next bill was going to be paid. Because God will use the pit to get you ready for the palace. And then Joseph had a son named Manasseh. You know what Manasseh means? It means I forgot. His first fruit was I forgot. That's what Manasseh means. It means I forgot. Then he had Ephraim. God has brought me joy in the very place of my affliction. That's what Ephraim means. That the fruit that came from Joseph was, God was so good to him where he was. Not that he forgot cognitively, but where he was no longer rules where he is. Do you know that God can be so good in where he's taking you that you'll forget? I mean, you won't forget, but it no longer owns you. It's called being delivered. Well, you remember what you're delivered from. You just know, I'm delivered. My, me and my wife's first child was an absolute disaster. Not the child. <laughs> the labor experience. You know, 16, 24 hours. I mean, her contractions had no breaks. They were up, down, up for 30 minutes. They had to come give her a shot to stop the contractions. I mean, it was just... I was like, we ain't doing this again. This is... And I'm not even doing anything, but... <laughs> But you know how it is. As a man, you're just like, ah, I want to take this from you. No, I don't. <laughs> I mean, you keep that thought here. You don't say that out loud. But everything you're saying is, man, I wish this was me, not you. Not really. <laughs> we ain't built for that nonsense. So I said, we're never going to, we're never going to, this is it. This is, that was, ooh. So my wife, you know, I, I just settled in my heart, you know, we're, we're going to have one child. I mean, that's kind of the way it was. I know I was a rookie, but it was really the way it was. And then after 10 months, <laughs> or so, you know, I got five kids, we don't mess around. Yeah. <laughs> after about 10, 12 months or so, my wife said, you know, I think it's time to have another baby. I said, what? I said, but do you remember? She said, yeah, I remember, but look at this baby. I said, no, 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 forget the baby. <laughs> do you remember? That was, she said, it's not that I forgot, but look at what has been delivered. You see, when you experience the deliverance, it's not that you forget about the labor. It's just that the deliverance of what God brings forth from the labor is so great that I know how to go back to it and do it all over again if I have to. And many of you have that experience. 
Many of you need to tell your story. But there are many in here who are in the middle of the pit. And right now, all you can feel is labor pains. But it's only because God is trying to deliver a baby, not like a real one. (laughs) He's trying to deliver your destiny. He's trying to deliver your purpose. He's trying to deliver your ministry to you. If you give up now, you'll miss the baby. If you stop now, there's no Genesis 50. And not only that, that means that all of those that were supposed to be impacted by your ministry won't be. Because you were thinking about you and not thinking about how God wants to use you. Keep your eyes open in the pit because in the pit, what you're going through will be evidence to you and that will hold you just long enough for God to use you with what he's showing you. You meant it for evil, but God meant this thing for good to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Okay, I'm going to finish with this so you can really understand. My whole goal as an NFL player was to run out the tunnel. I mean, I wanted to run out the tunnel, and I wanted to experience the light camera action, the plane, the fire. (sighs) And I was excited. Played my college ball, came to Dallas, and I said, God, I know it's hard. The NFL's hard. The NFL really stands for not for long. (laughs) Because it's only the guys that you know that's hang around for a long time. Everybody else is in and out. Okay? It's a three-year career based on statistics. I said, I know it's hard, but just let me run out that tunnel. Let me get that. I mean, I've worked hard for this. Let me, let me play in the NFL. Let me get that, that game experience. Let me grasp that thing. Let me hold it. That was my prayer. I got picked up by the Dallas Cowboys after three weeks of training camp. I remember vividly. You, know, you always remember getting cut. Uh, I had my playbook in my hands. I'm walking up to the facility just to go to practice, go to meetings. And a lot of people are walking in. But as I walk in, the guy who we call the Grim Reaper stepped out. And he put his hand on my chest. He took my playbook. And he pointed back to my car. I said, this is ruthless. That's just the business. Peace. I said, come on, Jesus. I've been, I've been doing this. I'm trying to... Come on now. It's the Dallas Cowboys. And I live in Dallas, so it was only a 20-minute drive. I had to get over it quick. <laughs> I got picked up by the San Diego Chargers. I said, okay, let's go. They sent me to NFL Europe. Remember NFL Europe back in the day? They had the league over there. They called it the developmental league. I was like, the developmental league? I don't need to develop. I'm ready now. I went over there and I, I, you know, they had two-a-days, two hours, 30-minute break, two hours. I said, yeah, this this is whack. This is not for me. This doesn't have any luxury to it. Our locker room was like a mobile home. I mean, it was, it's not where we... Went backwards. No tunnels. Just run out there. 
<laughs> so literally, I got to a place because it was all about me where I started to decay with the game that I loved. I was like, man, this is not. So I called my dad. I said, Dad, I'm coming home. I'm done. Baby, you know, whining. I'm done. But to me, and my dad said, nah, are you sure, son? You're 24. I mean, you know, go play. This is not, this is not, this is not what I prayed for. I, come on, God. I need you to be, bat- to be Robin. I'm Batman here. I need you to assist in what I'm trying to do. So I told the coach, I said, I'm retiring from football. I'm crying. You know, I'm, you know you're really crying when your head is cocking back and you can't control it. I mean, I'm, I'm going through it. I'm just a mess. Coach says, are you sure you want to retire now? I said, I'm out of here. I mean, I was adamant. I've already booked my ticket, by the way, with my dad's money. <laughs> he said, well, you have to go through exit physicals, so you can't leave tonight. You have to wait till tomorrow. So I called my dad, and I said, we got to rebook my ticket for tomorrow uh, because I can't leave tonight you know, because of exit physicals. <laughs> Tony Evans said, um, do you think it's awkward or weird that you couldn't leave when you plan to leave? I said, oh, here goes this philosopher again. <laughs> he said, you're just not able to do it the way you planned it. And then my experience is, you should notice that. He said, so do something for me, son. Go back out on the field tomorrow with your last practice, since you can't fly out anyway, and tell God if he wants you to be there, then make it evident. I said, okay, Tony Evans. No, I said, Dad. I put back on my helmet. I went out there. I didn't want to be there. I'm going through individual drills. I'm crying in my helmet. I just wanted to take it off and throw it. Then we moved to nine on seven. If you don't know what nine on seven is, that's where men show up to play football. Nine on seven means there's no receivers and DBs. It's all linebackers, front lines, and running back, and they know we're running the football. Ain't nobody to throw it to. So the linebackers ain't like this. They're like this. Everything has changed. And the fullback who was there told me, hey, you started off. I said... I got in the huddle, and I said, okay, Lord, if you want me to be here, then you're going to have to give me a peace that surpasses all understanding, because I don't want to be here. I kid you not. I broke the huddle, heavy-hearted. I put my hand in the dirt, and it's like, you know, that moment when something big happens, but you can't hear anything? Quarterback said, 548, 548, said Hut. And he turned to the side, and it was an ISO on the mic backer. I remember it clearly. The center block to the right, the guard block to the left, which means it was mano y mano. I must have knocked his face off. <laughs> it feels good as I talk about it. <laughs> you know, Christians can be tough now. And I turned back to the coach and I said, I'm staying. And he said, great. 
this guy's crazy. <laughs> but God was telling me, your whole problem was you were thinking about you. You weren't thinking about how I was trying to use you. By the time that season was over, all the players called me Rev, and eight guys accepted Jesus Christ. But if I would have quit and went home, I mean, I'd probably be standing on this stage with so much regret. So I figured it out. I got picked up by the Tennessee Titans, and I started leading prayers in the locker room. I figured if I do what God wants me to do, I can run out the tunnel. Here's the business deal now. Come on now, I figured it out. Okay, God, because I had one of the greatest seasons of my life over there. So I came back over. I said, I figured it out. So I'm talking, do you know Jesus Christ? I mean, <laughs> against Tom Brady in one of our games, in one of our preseason games, I had a high ankle sprain. They carted me off the field. Come on, Jesus, I thought I was going to make it this time. And before they carted me off the field, they told me you made the team. Then went out there and got hurt. I said, come on, Jesus. Don't you see how many prayers, players over here praying? <laughs> went to the Buffalo Bills. They decided... Uh, they're not going to use fullbacks anymore. They're going to go with strictly tight ends. They cut both me and Darian Barnes. Come on, God. Then got picked up by the Washington Redskins. I'm like a cat with nine lives. <laughs> I said, here it is. The starting fullback gets hurt. The next game is Monday Night Football. Mike Sellers was a starting fullback for any Redskins people. It's Monday Night, Fo Monday Night Football. That's how God works. He's going to put me in the lights. <laughs> That was the year they were getting rid of Jim Zorn, and there was a lot of chaos in the organization. All of these things were happening. They decided, uh, we're just going to go one back. I said, what? I'm hot. I'm like in the owner's office. Now, you listen to me. No, I wasn't. Come on, God. How long do I got to stay in this pit? 2011. I'm back with the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm standing in the tunnel. I take out my phone, and I call my dad in the tunnel. Dad, we did it. We in there. He said, amen, son. Amen. Now, you should be wondering, why in the world you got your phone in the tunnel? <laughs> because... My first time running out of the tunnel was not as a player, it was as the chaplain. I went through a whole lot. I was at the bottom of the barrel with every single team, struggling to make it, got hurt, got the injury settlement, lost this, lost that. I, Every scenario you could think of, I went through the ringer. 
And God said, I'll give you your goal, but not your way. It'll be my way. But you know what I'm able to do now? I'm able to sympathize with their weaknesses. They come and say, man, I think they're going to cut me tomorrow. Let me tell you about that. They're getting carted off the field. Hey, Jay, pray for me. Yeah, I got you. Let me tell you about that. Man, I don't think that they want me here. Let me tell you about that. But if you give up then, you'll never experience how God is going to use you here. The reason why I'm standing here is not because it's all been good. The reason why I'm standing here is because it was bad. But God is good to bring me to this present place to preserve many people alive. I hope that made sense to a lot of men who are struggling right now. It is bad, but God is good. Don't stop. You will run out of the tunnel, but his way. And when you do it, you'll be able to say, glory to God in the highest, for he is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for these men. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word and help these men to never give up knowing that where you're taking them is much greater than where they've been. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.